You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin by calling in the spirit energies to join us here today. And so I call out first to our ancestors, to all of those who lived well and died well, those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful from our ancestral lines into our lives, this great, rich wealth of heritage that comes to each one of us from the very, very first people and all the way down through many generations of innovation and creativity and expression of life here on earth. And I call out to these ancestors to gather round us here today to hold us well and to help us in our time, for we are the living now. And I ask these ancestors to help us to truly and fully and magnificently do what we are called to do in our time in a way that is good for all living things. And may we learn from their mistakes. May we add to and express even further the great beauty that they did. And may we know ourselves as that link, that living link, between those ancestors and those who are coming. And may we be that place in the circle of life powerfully with their help. And we call out for these ancestors to join us here today to circle round and to hold us well. And with the ancestors gathered round in all their rich beauty, may we go now in our awareness from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and our bellies down into the earth, all the way to the very center of the earth. And with our energy there in the earth, let us send a pulse from our own hearts, a pulse of gratitude into the earth, into all layers, all times, into the earth to give thanks for our life. Thanks for the great beauty of life, the wonder in life on earth here, this manifestation of the earth's dream. We give thanks for her for the wonder in that dreaming and the miracle that each one of us is today. And may we give gratitude to her for that miracle of life and know it in ourselves. Take responsibility for it, even though we will never understand that great mystery. But let us live it well with all the blessing around us of this beautiful planet. So with our gratitude deeply invested into the earth, we draw the energy of the earth up into our bodies, into our bellies, our hearts, and our minds. And with the energy of the earth, let us rise our energy up to the sky, all the way through all the layers of the sky, all the way to the very highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know that energy, name it. See yourself reflected in it and it reflected in you and draw this divine energy down. Draw it down into yourself, into your day, and into these proceedings and bring into our lives in this way the energy of blessing, great rich blessings, the energy of the benevolence and the abundance of our universe. Bring in the energy of protection and generosity and devotion. 
We call these energies in as we draw the energy of the sky down, down into our heads, our hearts, and our bellies. And imagine that you are now that place where the earth and sky come together, the two great lovers of legend, the birthing of all life there in that dance. And let that dance dance within you and spark the awakening of your heart. And we call out to the spirit of the heart to be with us here today, to open as the great crucible that it is that can hold the fiery passions of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind together, letting them each dance in that dynamic dance that gives birth to your sense of your soul's true purpose. And may we each find in our hearts today the courage to live that purpose, and to bring our gifts in some way, large or small, into manifestation in this day. And we give thanks to the ancestors, thanks to the earth, thanks to the sky, thanks to our hearts and all the spirit energies, embodied and not embodied, that will help us in this day to do what we have come here to do. May what needs to be said be said here today. May what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So we give thanks to the spirits for gathering round, and we give thanks for the people that make the show possible. We give thanks to Elizabeth and Mary and David and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially since last week. We give thanks to you because you help us to pay the bills, to keep the show vital and free and available to all those who have the ability to get access through the Internet, to connect to the archives of the show, to listen to the show live, to be present in this conversation. So we give thanks to those of you that are able to support us financially. For those who would like to, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com to the website, click on the support button, and you are free to donate any amount, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air, to paying those bills. And for those of you that are uncomfortable with paying in that way, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to give you an old-fashioned address right here on planet Earth, and you can send me an old-fashioned check, and that's perfectly fine as well. Every single amount of money given to us is deeply appreciated. It all helps large and small, and also all of the efforts for all of you bringing these ideas into your lives. That is where the rubber meets the road, people. And so we thank you for talking, for thinking, for journeying, for bringing these ideas into your life, for teaching your children, for loving your grandparents, for doing all the different things that you're doing um, that keeps the show alive and vital. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your show ideas. Thank you for your links and your shares and all that you're doing. And uh, may we greet these times well, skillfully and heartfully alive. So thank you all. So without further ado, I would like to thank our guest today, Oscar Miro Casada. Oscar, thank you for being with us today. You're very, very welcome, my dearest sister, Christina, and boy, what a beautiful coalescence of vision and evolutionary imperative that you just uh, articulated with your opening prayer to the great sacred hoop that sustains us. Uh, it was uh, quite comprehensive and deep in its, in its soul resonance as I sat here with closed eyes listening to you, Christina, so thank you for your words. 
Well, Oscar, it's such a pleasure for you to be with us here today. And, and I'm afraid there might be people listening today that might actually not know who you are, which is unbelievable. But for those of you that don't know, um, you can connect with Oscar and his work at Mesa Works, M-E-S-A, W-O-R-K-S, mesaworks.com. Um, can, we'll also talk about some other aspects of um, Oscar's work that you can find at heartofthehealer.org. And you can also reach Oscar if you have um, questions from today's show that you don't want to call in live or anything. You can reach Oscar at Cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, Cindy, at MesaWorks.com. Um, Oscar is the originator of the Pachacuti Mesa tradition of cross-cultural shamanism, a soul-infused vehicle for deep personal and planetary transformation. This blossomed organically from Oscar's own personal practice, from his own um, relationship with spirit. Um, and this fulfills the noble intentions of both of the elders that um, he's worked extensively with, who bequeathed to Oscar the oral sanction to preserve Heart Islands, which is South America's ancestral healing traditions as Peru's legacy to future generations. And Oscar, I'm assuming when they said future generations, they meant of humanity. Is that correct? They meant of the entire uh, unfolding of of our relatives, uh, both two-legged as well as uh, multi-corporeal or non-corporeal, so the entire life, of course. Yet ultimately, Don Celso Rojas Palomino, which was my principal mentor who passed in 1982, was the one who truly bequeathed me uh, prior to his passing, uh, to bring what I had learned through my work with him and the Tamasca uh, or the, the creative uh, healing uh, uh, avenue, which we call Tamasca Kamai, to create uh, to the northern regions, the United States, and to the developed nations of the world. Because only in that way would our own people who were denying the value of these practices by seeing people from the developed nations that they admired practicing them with even equal or deeper reverence than they themselves had been enacting these rituals, uh, would once again uh, find a restoration of, of value in their practice. And hence, the generations he was referring to were actual seven generations of humans, minimally, uh, that uh, whatever I did uh, would maintain a, a vision of way after I have passed as a passerby on this planet that I am, uh, that the thoughts, the words, and actions of, of my earthwalk would um, would have a lasting legacy that was healing and, and compassionate in nature to... Uh, our children's children. That's the best way I can answer your question. <laughs> so for those of you that are even more intrigued already, and we've hardly even jumped into the show here today, um, yes, I will answer your question. Um, Oscar does teach trainings and um, and has apprenticeships. And for those that are interested in that work, you would go to mesaworks.com. Um 
Oscar is also the visionary founder of another organization called the Heart of the Healer Foundation. And the mission for that foundation is preserving indigenous wisdom and restoring our earth. And that um, they're... they're uh, probably too many dynamics involved in that to even talk about in a one-hour show. There's a huge variety of ways to be involved um, in that uh, through that um, access. Anyway, so that would be the heart of the healer.org. So we're we're talking um, with a person today whose vision and reach is is big and manifest. And personally, let me let me. Let me make a personal plea to the many people out there who come into shamanism and then they want to start their own foundation, they want to start their own healing center, they want to begin and reinvent the wheel. And I'm encouraging many of you to journey and ask about that because there are some exquisite organizations like Oscars that already exist and simply have done so much of the preliminary work that perhaps you can find an expression of your soul's purpose in not reinventing the wheel, but getting on board something that's already rolling. And so I really encourage you, those of you who want to make a difference, to join in where people are already actually doing that. And just, you know, your helping spirits will guide you there. So that's my personal plea. Um, there's just um, so much um, inspiration that comes and often it lacks a certain practicality in how do we actually get this vision manifest and Oscar's done a whole lot of legwork and rooting and grounding and getting things ready and now we just need people to make it happen. Um, so before I get too carried away here, I forgot to say we are live today. You are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You can go to the code-creatornetwork.com site and Skype in if you would prefer, or you can email me a question and I'll do my best to read it on the air um, at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. All right, so Oscar... You've been blessed with decades of time in apprenticeship with exquisite elders, meals shared with them, sanctions given. As you reflect on your life personally, you know, just you as a man, what were the pivotal moments that brought you to explore those experiences and relationships that have made you the shaman and teacher and visionary, ceremonialist, all of these qualities that you are? You know, before the teachers, before the training, before all of that, what moved you there? I mean, you're a contemporary guy. What was uh, for for lack of a better term, contemporary would qualify. <laughs> I because it's all about remaining fully conscious and viscerally connected to the perfection within the blessings of the present moment. In that sense, every moment, every breath is a, a contemporary breath, a breath that brings you into the parallel of temporality of time with space and hence opens up the infinitude of unlimited possibility to exist. And so, yes, as a contemporary chap, as you may describe me, uh, uh, I had pivotal moments uh, prior to my encounter with my physical mentors on this uh, beautiful Gaia, and they 
uh, have been pivotal in the sense of uh, death and rebirth and a renewed sense of, uh, of, I may use the word, quote-unquote, destiny, but a, a, a purpose, a deepened purpose as to why I am here uh, at this particular juncture uh, on Earth. And those included three uh, classical near-death experiences, one by electrocution at age one and a half, one through asthmatic hypoxia or asphyxiation at 10 years old, and another uh, in an auto accident at age 33. And um, the experiences that I had as a result of the veil between seen and unseen worlds becoming non-existent and has been able to walk uh, with grace with one foot in each of these dimensional realms, uh, allowed me a keen sensitivity to understand uh, the workings of the soul. And as you know, Christina, shamanism is all about soul, the world soul, the anima mundi, as well as our individual soul, uh, in a exquisite sacred dance of reciprocity. As you mentioned earlier before we came on, the term for that is aini, sacred reciprocity. So by remaining aware of how I can serve the nurturance of the anima mundi as well as our individual soul or nuna through connection with a more universal presence or ultimate ground of being recognized by shamanic cultures worldwide and defined and sometimes undefined by name uh, as in our case the great or that ultimate ground of being. The moments that I had these near-death experiences in which I passed through to uh, a deep communion, uh, emerging of individual and universal soul, uh, afforded me glimpses into a purpose in my life that has unfolded and manifested in my service work through the Heart of the Healer Foundation and the apprenticeship series that I've developed in ritual shamanism that I teach worldwide. So uh, in that sense, um, yes, these experiences, separate from my more formal apprenticeship in the shamanic arts with Don Celso and Don Benito, uh, were critical. So, in your own sense of things now, what what makes a path a shamanic path from your perspective? From my personal experience, and that's all I have the right to speak of, um, <clears throat> uh, a path is a revelation uh, in my experience. And what is revealed is a way to um, live with heart, capital H, uh, live with an understanding that reverence is very, very critical to sustaining life on any uh, barco, be it this third-dimensional plane we call our beloved Earth Mother, 
for the many other worlds that exist within the shamanic uh, continuum of visionary states of consciousness, which I'm sure your listening audience are very seasoned navigators of. And so when we encounter these other earthly uh, realities, uh, it must be done with heart. So if, I, if there's a takeaway uh, lesson for me, it's this, that the shamanic path involves uh, labor of love. Whatever you do, whether it's a healing ritual or whether it's an earth-honoring consecration or whether it's an invocation, an evocation, a decree, whether it's an honoring of the seven uh, universal directions, uh, done from a place understanding that love has the ultimate power to transform the larger social order in which you live, and especially one's relationship with the natural world, uh, is what, to me, is a worthy and noble path to be walking on. So the shamanic path is one of love, in a nutshell. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's beautiful. So on this path, what brings you the most joy? Uh, joy, well, uh, just being tuned into the big cosmic joke that it is to take oneself seriously, you know, is, is joyful enough for me to wake up every morning on my knees and, and, uh, and receive with a light heart, um, whatever lessons come my way and be grateful at the end of the day also to uh, invoke my relationship with a much wiser fear of of influence in the world, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, and uh, and thank that that larger presence for the um, opportunity to grow as a soul. And so... Just knowing that I'm cool with the wonderfully unpredictable nature of life and that I trust that whatever is happening, whether I decide to interpret it as painful or uh, stressful or, or blissful or, and liberating, that uh, I'm not in charge, really. And so that gives me great joy to turn over all need for trying to figure it out and make it happen the way my ego mind would uh, like. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, conversely, what what do you find most challenging today in your work? Uh, being in a place, or uh, at least um, sustaining an inner space in which the the suffering and pain that is part of life in the world um, is beyond my reach to to impact in a way that may lift that pain, that may shape shift it. Um, I struggle with that. Uh, and I struggle with that from a place of Oscar with a capital O rather than a small case of 
way beyond my, my individual persona. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering, so so on a good day, kind of how do you meet that challenge on a good day? Um, and I was also wondering, how do you meet that challenge on the bad days? <laughs> uh, well, good and bad, once again, are value judgments on energetic events, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, on, on any day, um, I start my day with prayer. And uh, I have a medicine lodge in my home when I'm not traveling, of course, and usually when or I'm traveling is to some sacred site or some natural landscape shrine. So there's always an opportunity to enter into communion with raw powers, forces of nature, as well as the more spiritual influences from the multidimensional realms that I'm accustomed of visioning into the shamanic practice. And so um, my days, really, I couldn't tell I couldn't define them as good or bad. I, I best could say, um, do I feel spent at the end of the day in the manner that, uh, that I can rest, I can put my head down on my and, and sleep and dream lucidly and clearly and wake up the next day inspired uh, to continue this this, uh, this game of life and, and play it uh, fairly and play it with love and play it with, uh, with friends that I, uh, I choose and enjoy hanging out with. Because there's a lot of people out there that really um, are not as healthy uh, to the aspirations that I hold and enthrone in my heart and service path uh, as I would like them to be. So being discerning as to who to hang out with and who not to um, is a good, as long as I maintain that discernment, is a good day. And I have to hang out with people that I feel may energetically be a little denser than my, uh, you know, my, you know, shamanic self uh, would, would aspire toward. Um, I embrace them as, as much as possible and uh, change the conversation often from their own victimhood into, you know, what their foods are or what uh, animal allies are most conducive to their, <laughs> to their enjoyment, uh, if you get my drift. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, just shape-shifting as it comes along. I hope I'm not talking in too cryptic a manner. No, I'm just delighted by the fact that you're you're answering in such a human way and basically laying out what all of us have to do. You know, I mean, we're human. No matter no matter how great our vision and how fabulous our skill set, we're still human, and we we need to be human. And that begins, as you said, it begins. It really helps to begin each day in prayer. Whether you're in a hotel room somewhere or at one of the most sacred sites you've ever experienced, is we 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 begin each day a human being that we must tend. It's beautiful. Fundamental. Fundamental. Yeah. 
So what would you say are the three most valuable, or more, I don't care how many, (laughs) the the most valuable lessons that you've learned yourself from choosing this um, path of shamanic service to really give your life to that, or yourself to that life, or Uh, something like that? um, Number one, the consciousness begets matter. In other words, one state of awareness or grace of awareness, capital A. Uh, structures the larger social order in which one lives, and that we are, or I am, capital I, capital A, M, uh, fully responsible uh, for my surroundings and number one. Number two is that uh, we teach love by the way we live. In other words, um, if consciousness begets matter, the language we use, the thought forms we sustain, and the the gestures of interpersonal relatedness we the enact um, structures our reality. Conscious, the material, subatomic world, language, our social reality, and thirdly, ritual structures, our relationships. So understanding the role of consciousness and influencing the material world, the role of language in birthing our social experience, and the extraordinary beauty and grace of ritual in defining our relationships with both seen and unseen dimensions available to humans, uh, would say in that order, one, two, three, would be the three most important lessons I've learned. Thank you, Oscar. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and and, and keep it in the present, you know. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So this is really beautiful because I was going to move now uh, to ritual and ceremony, that sort of aspect, and you gave me this lovely segue to do that. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, as we start to talk more about your work, um, are there any terms that you want to just define for people so they know what you mean when you're talking about maybe ritual or ceremony or, you know, is there anything you feel like you want to uh, clarify before we start talking about that kind of thing? Uh, Certainly. I can think of a a few um, foundational terms uh, that that may help the listening audience. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with them already being so meticulous and, and thorough in your your uh, vetting of your <laughs> of your <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but, yeah the the tradition that I um, apprentice uh, others in is called the Pachakuti Mesa tradition and Pachakuti is a term that many many of you may be familiar with it's it's Runasimi or or Tetra from the islands of Peru, 
And pacha means uh, world, realm, time, space, earth as in oil. Uh, pacha can make, mean many things, but ultimately pacha really is best uh, approximated in understanding as the word bardo in the Buddhist sense would be. So it's really a realm of consciousness, pacha. So it's the world that you are conscious of. And kuti quite literally means reversal or transformation. So pachakuti means world reversal or cosmic transformation. It is a term that is onomatopoeic, as all of it right? is. It, it, sound has more value than its descriptive uh, purpose. And first of all, it's verb-based. It's an action-based language. So when we use a term like Pachakuti, world reversal or cosmic transformation, we are actually setting into motion this constant transformative shape-shifting flow which mirrors the patterns, maladies, and nuanced cycles of life, of creation itself. So we are bringing in that vibrant, organic, pulsing, uh, evolving state of creation into the actual usage of the language. And and thus mirroring a reality that is in constant flux. Okay, and I and a lot of people don't understand the Gitra, the use of Gitra in terms, or especially which is the high and elevated Gitra, in its ceremonial purpose, and how even listening to prayers in Gitra is a deeply transformative experience. Uh, not to even mention the power of the highways or the offerings of ritual feedings to the earth and to our ancestors that go along with it. So, Pachakuti and then Mesa. Mesa, M-E-S-A, is really um, a derivative from uh, Spanish, which uh, originally used to be used as Misa, which refers to the Catholic Mass, to the liturgy. So there's this liturgical component to ritualizing all of the wisdom, all of the prophecies, and all of the medicine ways associated with the time, of the pre the time, that understood this eternal flux and entering into partnership with it as the sole uh, creative power to affect change, either of a healing nature for a person, for a community, or for a region, as well as to uh, empower evolution on a planetary scale. So Pachakuti Mesa means the practice of a ceremony that harnesses and is able to manage shape-shifting, transformation in a manner that does not destabilize the soul's progression of an individual or group. And so when we're, when, as Pachakuti means the carriers or practitioners, what we do is we uh, use altars, ceremonial grounds that are configured according to five principal directions that parallel the nautilus shape or golden spiral, 
as well as various sacred geometries that uh, are replicated in precise measurement in our temple sites in the Andes and the coast. And all of that is configured in, in three campos or fields on the earth. And within that are rituals and ceremonies uh, activate uh, the presence of, uh, of great tutelaries, of, of great teachers, of, of, of great sources of guidance. Uh, and so doing a shamanic journey, for instance, uh, lying down uh, with your head pointed to a Pachacutimesa altar is a whole different experience than doing a shamanic journey uh, with just plain uh, drumming and for soul ritual. It's, it's a different experience altogether. And so a lot of people find it uh, easier to release themselves uh, into the dreaming, uh, to use an, an Aboriginal term, uh, or to uh, the great Aluna, to use a Kohi term, uh, when they're laying next to an activated, ceremonially activated sacred space, of course. Um, so Pachakuti is a good term that I would like to, uh, you know, illumine a little bit for the listening audience. And then the other term would be Kamaska, K-A-M-A-S-Q-A. And Kamaska is because the, the, the lineage that I apprenticed and mentored in uh, is called Kamaska Curanderismo. Curanderismo, of course, is the, the practice of, of folk healing uh, that is embedded in, in a lot of folk uh, Catholicism due to the post-conquest of uh, you know, integration by the Mestizo population of Peru. So, um, Kamaska is a Kitsa term that means just power, capital P, sacred power. Kamai is to, is to, to create. So, Kamaska is sacred power in the sense of the creative act. So every ritual that you do the Kamaska Kurandir is a creative act. And it needs to be done from a place of birth, uh, as if you were had been gestating uh, this new life form uh, in womb. And so whatever uh, service that you do to an individual uh, family or community is a birthing, and so a creative birthing. So those are two terms I would like to uh, uh, present a, a, a deeper spin on to your listening audience that has been probably already exposed to these Kitra uh, notions. So would you share with us a little bit then... Um I don't even hardly know how to guide you with a question, but just a little bit about that practice, about the Pachacuti Mesa tradition. Um, maybe from the perspective of what what does it bring to the practitioner? Well, as well know, with all um, approaches to the great work, capital G, capital W, um, It's not so much about changing the world, but transforming yourself in the process. So all these practices, as a Pachacuti Mesa 
carrier, uh, first and foremost, about personal transformation. And once a state of personal transformation becomes a, an experience of being enough, of embracing um, a level of uh, presence that is peaceful and that is centered, only then uh, will your rituals be uh, apprenticed that will go ahead and have a more planetary impact. And that's when you apprentice in the various Alto Misayok or Burakakuyek or Pampa Misayok practices that involve what is commonly known as despachos and carpais and things of that nature. So, um, as an individual, the first thing you receive when you enter into one of these sacred hoops and circles is a sense of belongingness. Because a lot of people that are there, if not all, uh, find sustenance, nurturance, and support for being exactly who they are without having to change for anybody. And at that point, all the sensitiveness that once was so valuable to survive in the world is dissolved and just melts away. And one can be as vulnerable as one needs to be. And one can cry and laugh and spin or just still and uh, receive an experience of being home, of having found a family that, uh, that is more intimate than even one's own blood family can many, many cases. So that's the first gift of being part of the sacred community of Pachacuti Mizit. After that, various practices, psycho-spiritual in nature, for uh, the um, awakening of dormant human potentials that in name that uh, we all know is, you know, clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience, and uh, even uh, psychokinetic, uh, uh, you know, abilities to influence uh, the, the cellular makeup of our human nature, uh, commonly known as epigenetics nowadays. It's something new in the shamanic cultures of uh, a, 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 a timeless origin to be part and parcel of the way soul works in our life. You know, it has a great influence over what is predetermined uh, in, in our physical being. So um, these dormant potentials through uh, breath and sound, the use of sacred breath and and sound and chanting and medicine songs and also engaging the alliance sometimes of our uh, plant teachers uh, when appropriate uh, all coalesce into a path that uh, allows a deepening uh, profound uh, encounter with one's uh, essential self capital S and at that point then 
service is, is the natural expression of one's being and, uh, and the right livelihood for those who practice it in a way that is more formalized becomes a true blessing in one's life to be able to have a roof over your head and, and put meals on the table when you're doing something that is of such spiritual significance on the planet is really a dream come true. And some people are born to do it and some people have to struggle a little bit more and take a little longer in apprenticing these skills to be able to have the impact that is desired and warrant that tiny, that reciprocity from the outside world in sustenance of their own life path. Yet ultimately, the first will be last and the last will be first. And so we're all on the same path. And it is a path of wholeness, of restoration, of being whole. And that's what people obtain from their experience with these, these uh, medicine ways. So my, my experience just uh, participating and, and observing and sharing with colleagues over a couple decades here is just I can see the difference between um, people's practices that, like you said, are, are kind of just lying down and journeying and working with what comes from spirit uh, on one hand. And then on the other hand, um, practices that... Um, occur within a cosmology or, or are somehow connected or function within a cosmology. And this is one of the things that I, I see in what you're talking about is, is a strong cosmology coming out of deep traditions and then the, the, um, the ability to directly access that cosmology through the mesa, the, the physical mesa, um, you know, hold it in your hand in a sense and then open it up and it opens up in you know, all dimensions and, mm-hmm. and, and how that changes even the simple act of, well, it's a profound act to journey, but you know, it, it changes our practice to practice in a cosmology. It, it, and, and I come to that as, you know, a white girl from Oregon who had no cosmology, you know, so I really learned this the hard way and backwards. <laughs> but, yeah. But could you speak? Have you noticed that? I mean, do you, can you speak to that? The 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 richness or the uh, I don't know whatever it is that is brought to someone's practice by connecting in to a cosmology. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, the, the, thank you for highlighting this because it's it's, it's crucial, um, and and. Uh, I personally prefer the term cosmovision. Mm-hmm. And so we, the Pachacuti Mesa, for instance, is reliant on a cosmovision that is a, uh, a combination, a blend of northern coastal curanderismo, wachuma curanderismo that employs the use of the Santero cactus and the, the ritual use of the Mesa, all night Mesa ceremonies on Tuesdays and Fridays that are like these. Uh, altar spaces that are replete of pre-Columbian ceremonial items that embody different expressions of that ancient cosmovision inherited from the Chavin, from the Moche, from the Lambayeque, 
from the Chimu populations of that area, as well as the southeastern highland tradition known as the Paco, or, or the Alto Misayo tradition, which is more oriented toward entering into sacred reciprocity with Pachamama, with our Earth Mother. So <clears throat> that also carries a, a pre-Inca cosmovision that uh, is embedded into each of the offerings that characterize that southeastern Andean work. Now, although those are the two foundational streams that uh, that form the umbrella of Pachacuti Mesa cosmovision, it is very adaptive to historical circumstance and to culture. It needs to be to maintain its vitality and its relevance in the world and its evolutionary potential. And there's so many parallels between what we have been discovering in particle physics and quantum mechanics, and even in the more, uh, you know, traditional uh, fields that subscribe to relativism uh, from a, a, uh, a unified field theory um, that is woven into this cosmovision. In other words, um, the pattern or configuration, the all space, that that's yes, by picking up a pre-Columbian Chaving piece that is 1200 B.C. and holding it and journeying with it, what happens is that it has a cuenta. A cuenta means a story, a tale associated with it. When you are able to step out of the way, the entire history of that piece starts to be revealed in vision to you, as you well know in your own experience. And that vision often is a revelation of the stories of origin, the creation stories, the entire cosmovision of these pre-Columbian cultures. And so you are received, you're taken in, you are welcomed into the temple of wisdom of these originary peoples. And at that point, you do not necessarily need a two-legged physical uh, mentor uh, to take deep. Your ability to commune with what is embodied through many, many moons and millennia of experiences that these ancestral pieces that comprise our mesa, and even its own relatives that have been gifted on pilgrimage, carry this knowledge of the beginning of our Earth Mother and what is in her bones. And so bringing the skills of, of viaje con sombra, of journeying with one in one's spiritual body, uh, much like the shamanic journey technique that is commonly used in, 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 in neo-shamanic circles and other ritual applications uh, derived from more traditional Peruvian tools, the ground of being that was once accessible to only these very culture-specific human groupings in the ancestral Andes and coast of Peru had become revealed as the Akashic record to a Western aspirant, any earth seeker of the truth will be gifted the same 
introduction to the cosmovision that I had from my mentors or that was received by the first people who decided to use ritual to restore wholeness to self, others, or the planet. So, yes, that foundation is indispensable. And what is lacking sorely on this good earth is a cosmovision that no matter what ideological persuasion or cultural background or ethnic group you are associated with, that it provides meaning and purpose to your overall understanding of your connection as a luminous strand within the great web of life. It is the great originating mystery that you made reference to in your beautiful opening prayer, my good sister. So that's that's how important the cosmovision is, and thank you for for bringing that up. Well, part of the beauty um, that I see in your work, Oscar, is that um, right relationship, in a sense of 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 that which is coming to us. That is. Um, vital, remains vital, and is the wealth of those who have gone before us, ways to access it, all that that you've already been talking about. And then that bringing in of, um, like you said, we live in interesting times. The science of today is is fascinating, saying the same thing. It's, it's, a, it's, it's in a sense, an innovation that you've brought in. Are there any other... Um, I don't know, innovations, I don't know a better word for that, that you've brought into the, the, the Pachacuti Mesa traditions that may not have been exactly as, as your teachers showed you, but it's what a teacher of today must bring in to be authentic to the essence of the form, I guess, for lack of a better word. I do understand. Um, well, of course, um, there's the Sophia Perenis, or the perennial wisdom that has um, guided and inspired uh, mystics and, and, and spiritual adepts since time immemorial. Much like the original instructions referred to in Native American uh, uh, tribal nations, uh, inspires the continuation and preservation of their ceremonial ways and their life ways. Yeah? So um, when we're speaking about um, <clears throat> these wisdoms uh, and these techniques of the sacred uh, that uh, are specifically shamanic, we're really speak- speaking about a global phenomena uh, that has given expression to the same core uh, foundational principles known to shamanism worldwide, as well as to their ceremonial healing practices or arts, but were called, for instance, Gnosticism, Hermeticism, the mystery traditions. Even you know there was there were schools of Vedanta and schools of Mahayana Buddhism and Hinayana well not Hinayana but uh, of of Buddhist, uh, more Tibetan Buddhist tradition that really are all derivative of these shamanic uh, core origins and insights. And so we have basically, even in the, in the uh, monotheistic Abrahamic faith, their original inspired prophets were all 
you know, uh, God intoxicated one. Uh, they, 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 you know, they, they were in shamanic ecstasy twenty in, in many cases twenty four seven, or at least thought that out. Think of the Essenes. So all of these multi. Forget about the geographical distances. Well, that's a whole other thing because there weren't that big of distances in those days. <laughs> uh, but regardless of geographic origin and uh, cultural idiosyncrasy, the spiritual truth was a perennial wisdom that was shared by all initiates to the great work. And that great work continues. And the extraordinary benefit that shamanism has in the world today is because it's not about personal salvation. It is about you know, leaving this earth better than when we found it. It is about entering into harmonious, balanced relationship with our mother, which without her would not be here. This is the most important task human souls have right now, not to prepare for any afterlife, yet to bring the spiritual depth of the past into service to the sustainability of the present moment as a legacy to the seven generations and beyond. And hence, I would say yes, the Pachacuti Mesa is a very innovative and open, organic, evolving practice that never will become dogma or religion because of that fact. Beautiful. So, Oscar, can let's take the last few moments here, and why don't you share with people how, you know, what you have going on, so how people could come and be, be part of your teachings. What, what's coming up here in the next well, period of time? Um, those people who um, enjoyed uh, our dialogue, um, I would refer them to my website, www.mesaworks, M-E-S-A-W-O-R-K-S dot com, where you can see a listing of what I offer. And then through the Heart of the Healer, which is www.heartofthehealer.org, you can also see the apprenticeships that we offer through our foundation in Pachacuti, Mesa tradition, cross-cultural shamanism. And they are a five-part series uh, that uh, are taught by extraordinary souls that I have personally trained and apprenticed over many, many moons. Uh, There's people that have been working together for 25 to 30 years. They've been under... uh, you know, under my, uh, my my tutelage, if I may say so, which is a, a, an amazing thing. And these people, these brothers and sisters that, that teach this five-part introductory series do so in preparation so that whoever uh, is initiated into the work will be able to take it to the next level in direct apprenticeship with me because I'm not able to do the introductories now. Although I do do a few, and it's coming up at Rowe Mass uh, Center in, in Rowe, Massachusetts, November uh, 3rd to 5th. And then also we have an end-of-year residential here in Florida called Invitation 2012. It's all about Guy and Arts and Sciences. You can find information on that. Uh, on these websites already uh, 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 shared. 
Beautiful. Thank you, Oscar. Well, Oscar, thank you so much for joining us here today. Is there anything you'd like to say in closing? Uh, yes. Um, do I have a, a minute? Yes. I would like to offer a prayer in Puna Singh in Quechua. Hai Winka. Hanak Pachaman Tasaiwa Yayukui Texebuyuk Hatun Kaipam Achakamak Nyokani Songkoiti Tupakui Kausaiti Kawakui Kausaini Yok Munaini Yok Kanchaini Yok Hamurai Kuina Nokai Ku Kanchai Parunakuna Pachamak Churikuna Amakina Songkotikak that loosely would translate into praises and victory to the sacred shaft of light from the heavens. Welcome, great power of the universe. World creator, meet yourself in my heart. See yourself in my life. With life, with love, and with light that we come here. We are people of the light and children of the earth. Please bring the blossoming of the flower of the heart to humankind. Praises and victory. And so that is something that we recite as the first ray of dawning in every day in the highlands of Guru. Mm. Oscar, thank you so much for meeting me in the heart today. It has been a great <laughs> gift and a blessing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christina, and for the great work you're doing on, on planet and uh, with your teachings and my, my prayers and sustenance to you and your center in, in Portland that you shared with me. Thank you. We give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today. We give thanks for the earth below the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for being with us here today, and have a great week.